This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Raw Reaction Show. Joining you straight after, or the morning after, uh, Arsenal's 2-0 win over Sevilla in the Champions League. You know, a lot of made, a lot was made of that uh, infamous speech by Infantino. But today, I feel Copenhagen. What an evening! What a lovely day uh, we witnessed yesterday. Some fantastic uh, performances in the Champions League. Of course, not least than than Arsenal uh, themselves, who were brilliant in their 2-0 win over uh, the Spanish side, who, of course, won the Europa League. Uh, I hope that you've had a fantastic evening. I hope that you've had a good night's sleep, because I have not. I got in at about 2 o'clock last night, um, because... We waited in the in the mix zone for some players that sadly uh, we didn't get the opportunity to speak to until very late. And uh, I managed to get a very, very late train gone midnight to get home. But uh, we're here, we're ready uh, to talk about the evening's events. And uh, I am certainly uh, excited to discuss uh, the fallout of yesterday's game as well. So let's jump into the chat box. Uh, good morning to Brad. Good morning to Pikachu, to Ray, to Old Dave. Good morning to Jimbo, uh, to Temi. Good morning to Nav. Good morning. Uh, to Shari, to Barry, uh, Steve, we've got here, Juno. Uh, good morning to Stephen and Amberly and Jose. Uh, we've got plenty more of you guys and girls as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Very much appreciated. Um, shall we talk about yesterday's win? Uh, it was a very, very good one, wasn't it? Um, so let's uh, let's do it. First of all, of course, please do drop a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. So yes, Arsenal 2, Sevilla nil. Uh, aside motivated after the injustice of the weekend, I felt as though Arsenal came out in this game to utterly batter their opponents. It felt like a side that were completely overwhelmed by the emotion of the weekend in the most positive of fashions. Uh, they took that energy, the the injustices, as I put there, of, of what happened against Newcastle and the motivation was there from the start. It was a dominant, controlling, and 
maybe not as clinical as we would like, but still a clinical display in those opportunities that we created to score the two goals that ultimately led to Arsenal taking the three points. And of course, meaning that they go very much clear at the top of their Champions League group table. PSV did beat RC Lens, which does mean that the wait for confirmation of progression from the group uh, still goes on. Of course, Lens play Arsenal in the next home game at the Emirates. And if Arsenal were to win that game, they would confirm top spot in the group. And of course, meaning that they would progress through to the next round of the competition. Unlike another Premier League team or another Premier League team. Um, Arsenal, of course, and Manchester City look comfortably through at this stage. But uh, the same can't be said for the other two representatives from our great nation. Um, but moving forward to more of the specifics of the game, Leandro Trossard, of course, came in to start the fixture. Uh, he, of course, had to come in at centre-forward because both Eddie Nketiah and Gabriel Jesus are both injured. They're both out. Um, Eddie Nketiah is not expected to be a serious injury, I'm told. Uh, hopefully, he'll be in the contention for the weekend because, you know, we're suddenly looking very short. I mean, very, very short. But Trossard came in and scored. Of course, I thought he was lively. I thought he was energetic. I thought he had a little, uh, quite a lot of dynamic to the forward line. And we've talked a lot about how Trossard has been in the start of games, like when he has started games. And, and is there a concern surrounding whether or not uh, he can only really have a meaningful impact in games when he comes off the bench. Well, last night certainly was evidence that that's not the case and that Leandro Trossard was important in Arsenal's performance. He drifted into wide areas. He combined with his teammates. He dropped deep at times as well. And while Eddie Nketiah will give you kind of that final third finishing ability when you get him into the box and get him a good opportunity, you know, you bank on him to score. Trossard, you can't help but feel that he gives you something more than that. You can't help but feel that he gives you a little bit more creativity um, and that he's going to kind of, you know, create problems and he's more unpredictable than what Nketiah is. And I think on the left-hand side, when he starts, he's often struggled. But it's when he plays at centre-forward that I think that there is more opportunity to uh, to see better, uh, so be better kind of performances from him uh, from the start of games in particular. When he comes off the bench, he's really good on the left-hand side because he can kind of run at those tiring legs of the fullbacks. But I think at centre-forward, when he starts games, there is something to be said. Maybe it's recency bias. I'm sure you guys will not uh, let that up in the chat box or the comment section if you believe that to be the case. Um, but I think he was very, very good indeed. But I was most impressed, I think, by the performance, in the forward line at least, of Gabriel Martinelli. And I know that Saka got a goal and an assist. I know that Trossard scored. But Martinelli was playing like a man possessed from like the first minute. It was like he took that defeat at Newcastle exceptionally personally and that he was going to be incredibly determined to ensure that that game was uh, kind of put to bed, put in a box, put away, and that the focus was very much on beating Sevilla uh, and progressing through the knockout rounds of the Champions League. His driving runs were so incredibly impressive. There is, I have a small criticism, and I don't mean to talk negatively after what was such, obviously, a really impressive performance. But I was talking to Harry at halftime, Harry Simeon at halftime in, uh, in the press lounge, and James Benjamin, and Amy Lawrence as well. And I, I just, I turned to Harry and I was like, I always feel like he's like one step away from brilliant. Like, just one one thing from just being unbelievably good. That one thing is either the final pass 
or the decision making uh, in kind of the final moment. Like, I feel like he always takes one extra stride than he needs to. I think if he develops that left-footed crossing, you know, that's going to add a lot to his game. But you can tell the intent is is there. You can tell that the, the foundation of what a fantastic player he could be is there. He's still incredibly young. Yes, he needs to be better at crossing. Yes, he needs to refine that part of his game. But you can't say that, my goodness me, that this guy is a dangerous player to have in your side, that he creates so many opportunities down that left flank. And when he's on and in the mood like he was last night, it, you don't bet against anyone stopping him. Um, the fullback uh, that was there was at Hwanlu, uh, a right back yesterday, you just had to feel for the guy. <laughs> I've never seen a player get dribbled past more in one single game than him. Uh, and my goodness me, yeah, Martinelli was absolutely fantastic uh, throughout the game. Now let's talk about Jorginho as well, because part of that goal that we saw scored uh, to open the scoring, the pass... The pass from uh, from the Italian through to uh, to Bukayo Saka was so incredibly direct and and pinpoint and inspired. And like we can talk about the games in which he struggled, like we can talk about the Chelsea game. He didn't look particularly great in that one. You know, some people said that he wasn't particularly great uh, in the West Ham game. Um, you know, and I, I absolutely understand people's frustrations at times with Jorginho. Um, because he's not like, as athletic as as Partey. He's not as um, dynamic as, as Declan Rice. Um, I get those frustrations, but he's our third choice defensive midfielder. But what he is, is that he's an experienced figure in this side. He's an experienced player that has obviously won this competition, that's played at an international level to the, the highest degree and won European championships. And you don't do that unless... You have exceptional qualities and talent. And Jorginho, despite some of his limitations, can, in a game in which you dominate possession and he's able to kind of orchestrate things from deep and pull the strings, um, I think that demonstrated in his performance last night just what an asset he can and is going to be for us. Um, you're not going to be able to expect, you know, Declan Rice levels from him every single week. But what you can expect from him is to add you solid depth and rotational option and quality and leadership as well. You know, taking the captain's armband once again in the game. Arteta has put a lot of faith in him. Um, and it certainly was a fantastic ball through uh, to Bakaya Saka before he, of course, set the chance up for Trossard. Also, a shout out to Declan Rice in that move as well. He won the ball in the opposition's half. How many times have we said that and said those words? That Declan Rice was critical. In, those, in that situation, because he was absolutely critical as well. So, yeah, Jorginho, fantastic. Had to give the guy a shout-out for his performance. Kai Havertz, so close to a first goal from open play. A brilliant shot. Uh, sad that he just couldn't quite curl enough uh, into that top left-hand corner. He had a great opportunity as well, right in the first kind of minute, you know, as a header from a corner. He was unsighted in the end, and, and perhaps there's criticisms that he could have got the shot on target for sure. Um, but again, more encouragement from Havertz. I think this is probably his best role, playing in the play, not playing in the role of Erdegaard because he's not Erdegaard and he can't do what Erdegaard does. He does what he does in his own way. But I think playing in that right attacking midfield slot slash kind of a second striker role, I think that is the best way that we're going to get the most from him. And sadly, of course, that means that he might not get to play it all that often because when Erdegaard is back fit, and I did see Erdegaard last night um, uh, walking outside through the mix zone, but uh, Kai Havertz, he's, I think, showing plenty more encouragement 
plenty more encouragement. Uh, there's a real determination, I thought, about his game. It's He just needs that belief. He just needs that extra little push. Uh, and when he scores and when eventually that goal does come from open play, I really hope that it is a touchstone for him to push onwards and to and to get into ultimately areas that we will see him succeed going forwards. Because if we can unlock that talent, as we keep on saying, if we can just unlock that little bit more from him, who knows what's going to be possible. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, to finish off the first section, just to talk about what Mikel Arteta said during his press conference. Uh, he was asked, of course, about um, Bakaya Saka and his injuries, and Tommy Asu also was injured as well. He said he was asked about uh, Saka being injured and fouled repeatedly, and he said, well, there is contact in football, and obviously for the wingers who want to take people on, this is going to happen. And at the end, he wasn't comfortable to carry on. Hopefully, it's not too much, but I'm really pleased with his performance. And I think it's worth pointing out Bakaya Saka because I have singled him out, especially after the Newcastle game, for a string of performances which have been more subdued, which have started to raise you know, talking points and discussion points around his performances and whether or not, indeed, that we can start to ask some questions about him. But yeah, I mean, Bakaya Saka in the, at the end of the day had an absolutely stonkingly good display. Goal, assist, was direct, showed his pace. That's one thing about Saka that often some people I think overlook is that, or we forget maybe, his pace is very good. Um, and running in behind last night against a severe side that were really helpless at times with what Arsenal were trying to deliver to them that was very impressive. And his goal that he scored cutting back onto his left foot and finishing um, really composed, really controlled. And hopefully, again, that's a bit of a, uh, a touchstone for him as well to, to push onwards also. He was asked about Tommy Asu. He says, yeah, he had some discomfort in the first half and we didn't want to take any risks. He's played a lot of minutes and obviously having Alex on the bench ready to come on I think is the right decision. And Alex didn't only come on to play left-back because when Saka went off, we had to bring on Jakob Kivior, who went to left-back. And then Zinchenko, who I thought initially was playing in midfield. He was playing even further forward than that. Zinchenko was playing at right wing. Uh, a left-footed player, of course. Uh, fantastic to see that, I suppose, diversity in uh, in his abilities, the variety, the versatility in his abilities to play in other positions. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely fantastic to see uh, that happen. I know it was only kind of a small cameo, but I know a lot of people have wanted to see Zinchenko play in midfield. And so to see that was was good. I've not even necessarily discussed um, William Saliba and Saliba's performance as well. Obviously, that, that tackle that he put in, um, a sliding challenge that, that stopped that severe attack really... Really uh, impressive indeed. So Saliba deserves a shout out. He was asked also about Odegaard and Ketia. He says they are racing against the clock to be fit and they are trying their best and they tried to be here today with us. It wasn't possible. And now we have another 48 hours before we play Burnley. We will try again and we will see because we need players at the moment. Um, so yeah, I guess we're going to wait and see uh, with those two. We're going to wait and see whether or not they are and are able to uh, be involved at the weekend. We've missed Erdegaard. We really have. I do think we need him. I know that yesterday wasn't necessarily a game in which it felt like he was missing, but I think from certainly a fair few of the live Premier League performances that he's not been available for, we have really missed his creativity, his vision, his technical skill. And I think certainly we would be great to, to see him back. Well, what I think is also worth pointing out is that is there scope for Erdegaard to play on the left-hand side? Because Havertz in this right-hand side role is really, really solid. And so when we come up against a side like Burnley, in which we're expected to dominate possession, is there scope for uh, Odegaard to play on the left? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But it's something that maybe, maybe is worth experimenting in a game like we've got at the weekend. Right. Let's go to part two, shall we? And your questions right after this. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, uh, we're going to go into the chat box. Uh, we're going to tackle as many of your questions as you can. You can see how tired I am, can't you? You can see it in my face how tired I am. I'm so, so done. Um, yeah, but uh, we've got another day of work ahead of us, uh, another another shift um, full of Arsenal writing and discussion of yesterday's game to do. So certainly please do. Show your appreciation with a, a like as well. So uh, let's uh, let's go. Uh, Oki says, the fact that we could field Zinchenko at right wing for a period of time shows how poor Sevilla were on the night. They offered nothing going forward and put up a little fight at the back. Oki, to be honest, I think that you're giving them, and I don't think you're giving Arsenal enough credit. I think Arsenal were the biggest reason why Sevilla were so disappointing. Yes, they didn't offer much, but I think it's because we were so good at suffocating them into our own final third. Like Every time they tried to clear it or break out, there was a strong challenge. There was a quick turnover of possession. You can say they were poor or we like, sure. But I personally put all the credit onto Arsenal and how they played and how they limited that severe side from having an impact on the game. Akshat, who's been a member now for 22 months. Loving the content, mate. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Akshat. That's very, very kind of you. I really appreciate it. This community is the biggest reason why I do this and uh, allows me to do the things that I do. Uh, Chris says, Tom, have you heard the rumours that Havertz has been sold already to Real Madrid? Also, we were good last night. Saka's best game. Trossard, brilliant. Martinelli, amazing. I thought Zinni was okay. Uh, not necessarily a fan. Uh, I haven't heard those rumours and I don't think there's anything to them either, uh, Chris. So I wouldn't believe everything you read. Uh, Rich says, Tom, could you ever foresee a situation in which Saka migrates the, to the left? Uh, or in kind of a central left central midfield position. He has played centrally before. He has played in the central part of the midfield. I remember him playing during his early years, uh, even at attacking midfield. I don't necessarily see it um, happening now. I think that right wing slot is certainly going to be his from the uh, you know from from this time moving forwards. I don't necessarily see um, that that ever happening. So no, sorry to disappoint you there, but I don't um I, I don't just do it um Jimbo says Tom does your face ache mine did from smiling on our result uh and with United's last night you know when I first read that question Jimbo I thought you were saying Tom does your face have acne that's what I thought you said uh, and I just saw the word ache because it's very close to it I did when I was a kid uh, but thankfully, growing up has, has done me a world of good. Um, but uh, yes, uh, I was smiling a lot last night. Um, not so much on the train. I was falling asleep on the train as I came home. Thankfully, the, the train terminates at my station when it actually gets to the destination. So uh, I wasn't going to miss my stop. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy that. And I wasn't even aware uh, of the Man United kind of chaos until the end. Uh, Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard, along with Simon Connolly, was next to me. And all I could just hear was this, this giggling 
coming to my right. And so I turned and just KP looked at me and says, they've scored again. It's 4-3. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it was it was glorious to to witness just the fall and demise of Manchester United, and uh, I just I was uh, on the tube with James Benj after the game, and just turned around to him and said, "You know what? I think I'm going to wear my Copenhagen shirt in the morning," <laughs> and so I have to follow through on that one. So yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, I was in Copenhagen early this year. So it's a wonderful city, very expensive, but a wonderful city, and uh, yeah, getting the shirt was certainly a highlight of that as well um which meant i could wear it this morning uh how the stars align for us sometimes eh? sometimes things just fall into place uh, you need a little bit of optimism in your lives uh, damien says do you think that some arsenal fans don't appreciate saliba as much as they should mainly due to seeing him every week it becomes normal to see him playing so great um i don't know damien to be honest because i think that um he is appreciated for what he is he is appreciated for being in my view, the best young centre-back in the world and bordering on the group of best centre-backs in the world. For me, he's reached, reaching, is it too soon to say he's reached a world-class level? I'm not sure. I think that he's reaching that level. He's just so consistent. How can you not suggest um, that uh, that he has reached that level? I don't know. I think it's it's very, 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 um, it's, yeah, we're, we're in a very, very difficult situation not to suggest he's world-class. Uh, e. Redknapp says, Tom, how bad is it that the Glazers got Rashford sent off last night? I don't know what you're talking about there, but the red card for Rashford, I think it's debatable. I think, you know, it looks bad, um, but I think he's unlucky. Uh, I think he's I think he's definitely, definitely unlucky uh, to get sent off, but I don't care. <laughs> I, I couldn't give two short planks uh, about it, to be honest. I really, really couldn't. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't care uh, whatsoever. Um, and quite frankly, I think a lot of people have fallen for both Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher's words. I know, maybe not Gary Neville. I don't know if I've seen Gary Neville speak after the game. But certainly I saw uh, Jamie Carragher tweeting about this. I think it's I think if you're falling for it, just be just be a little bit savvier. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing by calling out the referees, by calling out VAR. They know what they're doing, so don't fall for it. Uh, I mean, or fall for it and just you know give them a little stick. It's up to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just at this stage, I just think Arsenal are Arsenal are a side that are treated differently, in my view. Um, will always be looked at differently. And coming from taking kind of a journalistic hat off and putting more of a uh, a fan hat on, I, I, I've stopped caring um, in that regard because I've stopped caring about what people are saying about the club. Arsenal just need to focus on themselves. They can use this you know, distaste, this dislike that clearly so many people have for them, for me, as, as fuel, and we should use it to push ourselves forward. It's Arsenal against the world. And uh, I just think that we're in a position whereby we need to use that negative energy in a positive way. And I think that we did do that last night. I felt like we did redirect a lot of that negativity that surrounded us after the weekend. And we channeled that into a really inspired, really um, kind of harsh and blunt and merciless performance uh, that we saw last night. Uh, Avinash says, which Premier League manager is the closest to being sacked? Still probably the likes of our, uh, Arola. Um, probably, uh, obviously, we think Ten Hag, you'd think, would be pretty close. Heckenbottom as well at uh, Sheffield United company. You know, play, teams that are really far down the table. Um, but uh, Ten Hag is certainly under a lot of scrutiny right now. Um, Hoyland, by the way, I think he's the 
is either he holds a record for scoring the most goals for a team that have been on the losing side in a group stage now. Um, look, he's a good player. He's got a lot of potential and I'm worried about him being at that club for a long time, especially maybe under a better coach. But um, yeah, it's kind of a funny, funny stat, that isn't it? Very funny indeed. Um, Peter says, that lineup with Trossard is fire. When Jesus is injured, that should be the lineup going forwards. Rob Bob says, do you think Martinelli doesn't get his plaudits? Because of Saka, they had the same stats last year, but Saka was always talked about, and Martinelli was better than Saka last night. Haaland versus Brazil. Um, I, I think that you've got a fair point, Rob. Yeah, I think if Saka wasn't necessarily there, maybe you would appreciate Martinelli more. Whenever I talk about which world-class players Arsenal have got in their squad, often Saka is one of the first names in that list. But Martinelli, we always feel, is a little bit off. And the reason why I think he's, a little, he's still not necessarily on the same level as Saka is because I think that even though he's scored just as many goals, I think that he could score more. I think there's potential for him to score more. And I think that if he refined his game that little bit more, you know, I think that maybe what we might see uh, is, is him reaching that that next step. And that next step, I tell you what, is scary. It's scary how good Gabriel Martinelli could be if he can reach that next level. Uh, and says, Tom, who is our season's top scorer so far this season over all the games? It's a great question. I actually don't know. Um, I'm trying to think who it might be. That's a really great question. Um, is it is it Martinelli? Is it Saka? Uh, is it somebody that is going to come to me in a second? I'm going to go on the Arsenal uh, transfer marks website. Let's have a look at the stats, shall we? Who is Arsenal's top scorer? It doesn't. The fact that he doesn't come to you immediately is very interesting. Uh, it says here. Uh, Saka has six goals in 16 games. Trossard has five. Eddie Nketiah has five. Uh, Martin Odegaard has five. Um, and Jesus has four. And Martinelli has two so far. So, Reese Nelson also has one. Um, Fabio Vieira has one. Kai Havertz has one. Declan Rice has two. Tommy Asu has one. And Ben White has one as well. So, Saka is with six, but it's very close, very close um, to uh, to the to the others. And I think, again, we're spreading goals throughout the team. And this is what we talk about with, like, a striker. I know that everybody wants a striker, um, you know, to come through the doors and, and to change things for us. But we're a team that the goals are spread out through the side. And so having a striker that is all about a one-dimensional finishing monster, I get it. You know, I get why people want that. But it's always for me that we need to bring in somebody that's got that cohesive, collaborative style about them. Somebody that's going to give you what Gabriel Jesus gives you, but to a new level. And I don't think that's that's that easy to find. Um, and I'm not sure that, that you know, strikers that are very much one-dimensional, um, I'm not going to name, you know, who I think you, you know you want me to name because I'm so sick and tired of doing that. But uh, I just think that Arsenal, and that's why I think Trossard came in and did well, because I think that that type of centre-forward, the false nine types that can be more collaborative, can be more supportive, um, bring us more. Um, and we just got to find, if we're going to go for a striker, somebody else that can do that, um, because that's, I think, the style that Arteta ultimately wants to wants to play. Um, but I am surprised that, you know, the, the spread of the goals already. Uh, Marcus says, Ajax at the bottom of the table after Ten Hag left, so maybe he should have leave and see if the same happens with Man United. Uh, we can only hope. Uh, Granddaddy Gunnar Paul says, I always said Martin Elias the potential to be mentioned in the same conversation as Ronaldo. Woof. Big claims there from Paul. I love it. Uh, Grantley Poo says, Tom, with the maturity and guidance, can you see Martin Elias evolve into an Henri type of player? Um, can I see Martinelli evolve into that type where he kind of cuts inside? He seems much more 
um, wanting to get to the byline rather than cutting inside earlier. Um, he has had some finishes which obviously are more akin to that uh, of a Thierry Henry. You think about his goal against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge where he ran clear. That finish was very Thierry Henry. Uh, there's ones where he has cut inside earlier and finished, but I'm not so sure that's the right comparison, to be honest. Uh, I think that there's, there's great... I think more Alexis Sanchez maybe you look at um, as somebody like the drive, the quick acceleration. Maybe that's something more I would look to than Thierry Henry because um, he goes more towards the touchline, towards the goal. But again, I could be wrong. Um, Alexis was one of my favourite players and, you know, sad, quickly didn't become one of my favourite players when he left for where he left for. But um, yeah. Uh, Tom says, who are you talking about? And does it rhyme with pony? <laughs> and Melissa says, can Zinchenko thrive in that Erdegaard role, um, considering it doesn't need much defending? And can we both have Trossard and Zinchenko as midfielders in front of Rice to help solve some of our creativity and fluidity problems? I'm not sure that Zinni and, and uh, Trossard in front of Rice in the midfield is the way forwards, but I certainly do think there is scope for Zinchenko to play um, in midfield. Not the Erdegaard role, I think more like the Xhaka role. I think Zinchenko might be able to play the Xhaka role or the way in which Jorginho plays. There might be a way in which he can play in what Jorginho does right now. Uh, he's not going to give you like the defensive abilities of Declan Rice. But in those games where maybe Rice is ahead of Zinni, that you can play him as the, the deeper six. You can have him orchestrating things. His passing is obviously very good, barring a, a couple of inaccuracies. But overall, his passing is very good. And maybe that's the future for Alexander Zinchenko. Maybe his future lies somewhere in that midfield. Uh, Akamal says, Martinelli is good. Uh, that Richarlison wants to get a tattoo of his face on his body besides Neymar. <laughs> uh, Philip says, some names for you. Appenda, Gerasi, Martinez, David, uh, Becker, uh, Banza. What are your thoughts on any of these? I don't know who Banza is. Um, Gerasi, I think, Philip, you kind of, um, for me, are showcasing that kind of like, what's the flavour of the month? Gerasi, of course, doing fantastic for Stuttgart, but... I think he's probably a bit of a one-season wonder. He's also like 27, 28 years of age. So I'm not sure he's the right age profile. Appender, obviously a fantastically um, talented young guy, but he's only just moved to RB Leipzig. Martinez, I'm assuming you're talking about Latara Martinez. Again, very expensive to try and get him. Jonathan David, again, a player that's not necessarily um, found his move away from Liga yet. There's always been talk about David and what he might bring um, to a team outside of, of Lille. But so far... He's not been able to uh, kind of secure that that move, but he continues to to score goals. That said, he's only had um, he's only got f um, two goals in eleven Liga matches this season, uh, and he has started the majority of games. In fact, for the last couple of games at Lille, he's been dropped. He came on as a substitute in Lille's last two fixtures, of which they beat Monaco and they drew as well. They played uh, Ben. Uh, sorry, they played. Uh, Yazici uh, up top. Um, so uh, the, the Turkish striker you might remember, uh, 26 years of age, uh, he was actually linked with Arsenal member one time in the past as well. But Jonathan David's been uh, dropped uh, from the, the Lille starting 11 at the moment. So that's very, very interesting indeed that maybe his stock is not as high as what it once was. Uh, what Chris says, Tom, uh, is Martin Ali more of maybe a better Jose Antonio Reyes type uh, or got a bit of a tour over Mars about him. You know what? I think that sometimes we're, we're too like, um, we're too keen to to kind of have the new XYZ player, you know, whoever they're going to be. I think maybe we're too keen at times to have um, that, that, that comparison. Sometimes I wish the players could kind of just forge their own paths, if you like, and forge their own uh, ways into into the game because 
I just think that maybe we, took, we put too much pressure by comparing them to to these greats of the game. And, and Martinelli, I think, certainly deserves to be given the opportunity to develop and thrive and make a name for himself rather than just always having to have somebody, you know, uh, there's somebody else uh, alongside him. Uh, Chris says, David uh, can play on the right wing as well. But if we are saying that, um, you know, who doesn't push the envelope enough, then I don't think that David does either. And I think that's a completely fair point. I think, you know, the whole argument about he who shall not be named um, <laughs> is uh, is for me that I'm not sure he, he pushes the needle enough, as Chris says. And I'm not sure that Jonathan David necessarily does that either for us at the moment. I know I can see a lot of Canadian listeners of the channel are probably giving me a lot of stick right now. I can only apologize, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, Alpha Dan says, Martinelli is very much like Alexis Sanchez, but uh, also has a little bit of Alexander Hleb in him. His head down running style. Martinelli is going uh, to write his name into history for us, for sure. Uh, here to theirs, as long as Arteta uh, keeps playing Leo, if Jesus is out, I'm okay with the number nine in January and just fix the midfield. Uh, I'm okay with no number nine, sorry. Uh, in January and just fix the midfield. I think that we've got loads of options for centre-four. We've got Jesus, we've got Nketi, we've got Trossard, we've got Havertz. We have got depth there and I think that can last us until the summer and it is the midfield and maybe the wide area that should be prioritised. But again, I have to stress, please, please, please don't get your hopes up for January because I just don't see how Arsenal have got the capacity, the space and the money to be able to pull off some significant deals in that winter window. Uh, Rob says, I thought it was awesome to get so little VAR in last night's game. Yeah. Just nice not to have to deal with that. There were suggestions maybe that we could have had a penalty, but I don't think there was when Saka was brought down and subsequently Havertz was brought down. But yeah, no, I don't think there was any need for VAR. And, and we took the game away from the officials. That's what I've wanted Arsenal to do for a long time. Forget forget the fact that VAR is this big, overwarding, frustrating system Take the game away from the officials. Take the game out of their control. Hold it in your hands and just deal the damaging blows yourselves. Don't have to rely on the refereeing decisions. Don't have to rely on VAR. Yes, I think the weekend there are going to be games where it's such tight margins that you need the officials to be making the right decisions. But we didn't get that at Newcastle and we paid the ultimate price for it. But uh, I think that you know games like last night showed that we can take the game away from the officials and that's what's really important uh, answers tom who are the top three arsenal managers of all time um well you have to i think i think the obvious three to go for are herbert chapman uh, george graham and, and Mikel arteta so i think that's probably uh, sorry uh herbert chapman and arsene wenger you see that like, that freudian slip there uh, <laughs> in my head i'm like yes arsene wenger no Mikel arteta no uh herbert chapman george graham and uh and arsene wenger obviously i think are the top three managers of all time so far um but um yeah Mikel arteta is is going to be on his way he's working his way up the 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 pack uh, he needs to win some things you know we need to get some trophies uh through the doors for arteta to be uh, consider the thing is, I was thinking so hard in my head. Arteta's not in that group, he's not, and I was thinking it so hard that I even said his name. So, there you go. Uh, Green Panda says, Hi, or how about Kivior as defensive midfielder? Again, I think we've got lots of scope to, to use players in their proper positions, and I think Kivior's best role is a center half and then left back and then maybe defensive midfield. But there's scope, there's definitely scope, he's definitely versatile enough for us to, to maybe trial it. Uh, in the future we'll have to wait and see um old dude says there's a dude on our bench who is great cover for Saka and why we want a right wing to come here and play five minutes a week I assume you're talking about maybe Reese Nelson old Dave um came on last night again he's always energetic he always brings something to the party does Reese Nelson is he the guy that's going to take Arsenal to that next level I'm not sure 
we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I think that potentially um, bringing in a Pedro Neto type or somebody of that caliber, still even though they wouldn't necessarily get loads of minutes at right wing, if they're versatile enough to play on the right, play on the left, maybe play attacking midfield or even at false nine, maybe that is is the profile of player. It's finding that player that was obviously the most difficult job. And it's not my job to do that. It's the job of the club to try and find that player. Um, Yoni says, a lot of fans just want a shiny new toy. There's no need for a striker unless there are a substantial upgrade on Jesus. I think it's quite disrespectful when fans mention some of the names as replacements. Yoni, you are speaking as if I am embodying your computer or phone or whatever you were in that comment because I absolutely agree with this point of view. For me, Arsenal don't need to go into the market for a centre-forward unless they are guaranteeing themselves a player that is a significant step up on I uh, on Lisa Ivan Tony uh, on Gabriel Jesus. It's I get people's suggestions that you know we need to upgrade on Inketia, so we've got a player that can play uh, and give us something different to Inketia. I think we've got that already in Havertz. To be fair, if you wanted to play a, a taller, more physical centre forward, and we don't play to that style. I mean, there's no point spending eighty, a hundred billion quid on a player just because he's taller, and he's not even like that tall either. So it's not necessarily like we're bringing in some giant like Benjamin Sesko, for instance, who is genuinely absolutely massive and still technically very impressive as well. For me, I agree with you on it. It's all about bringing in a player, if indeed it brings us that guaranteed upgrade on what we've already got starting for us. Um, Chris says, I'm not going to lie though, Tob, when I saw that Havertz miss that header in the first few minutes last night, I was a bit concerned, but I really wanted to get that first non-penalty goal. You and me both, mate. You and me both. And Marcus says, Chapman from Waller Herb was ahead of his time and did so much off-field, such as changing train station names. I heard he was doing um re-arsenal station yeah if you've not seen the hybrid years documentary it's certainly worth watching to learn a little bit about what herbert chapman did he was well ahead of his time he did and has a huge hand in a lot of arsenal's core history and progressing arsenal to the club that they are today um and that's why he is so incredibly respected for the things that he did uh, so, so many years. Yeah, we're talking, you know, 100 odd years ago, um, nearly. So, you know, we're looking at a hugely amount a long time ago. But uh, a, a brilliant, brilliant example of, of what the bedrock of this club is. Um, so, yeah, uh, very, very interesting indeed. I say 100 years. Um, I think it might be a bit too much. Um, Herbert Chapman. I want to get this right. I don't like getting things wrong. Um Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, 100, 100 years ago, right? He managed Arsenal between 1925 and 1934. Yeah, 100 years ago. Crazy. Absolutely mad thinking that that amount of time has, has passed. Um, 100 years, uh, nearly. 98 until he first took his role at Arsenal. Uh, here to this is, again, it's not a Jesus upgrade. It's the Eddie issue. If Mikel won't play Leo over Eddie, then that's an issue. I get what you're saying, but ultimately we're not in charge of transfers. So if it's up to us to talk about what we think that we should do in the market, we as a group, as a fan base, should be without a doubt campaigning for the idea of upgrading Jesus because Jesus becomes the upgrade on Eddie. That's the entire point. But I don't want to get bogged down in talking about strikers again. Um, Fuad says, I missed the first part, Tom, but what did you make of Mikel's comments that Saka needs to learn to play through pain? Do you think that he's just saying that because we don't have a replacement behind him? No, he's not saying that. And it might seem harsh. You read those words from Arteta, and it might seem really savage and quite blunt and, uh, you know, surprising. But the reality of the situation is, Fuad, that he's right. The best players in the world, the best wingers in the world in particular, play through the pain because they get tackled, they get kicked, 
And yes, it's frustrating. And yes, it's painful. It is sadly part of the game. And if you've got to be cutthroat and ruthless about it, he has got to learn to, to, to ride those challenges. Maybe it's more about learning how to avoid those challenges more that Saka needs to do. Like Jack Grealish, for instance, has mastered the art of being fouled and not getting injured. Wilfred Zaha did it to an extent as well. And Saka just needs some more experience doing that, I think. And that's that's a really important point. Um, Spartan says, the amount of time that has passed. How old are you, Tom? <laughs> I'm 28, mate. But uh, yeah, I can see what you're going to see. Some people are going to be <laughs> frustrated with that comment. Um, Jim versus Partey, Jorginho and Elneny are getting older. I'd want new DMs before we get a striker, in our opinion. Look, we're in a position, I think, where the midfield is going to go through something of a, a, a structural change, you know, something which moves us forwards in another direction. Declan Rice coming in is important. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of young attacking-type players in Havertz, in, in Erdegaard, in Vieira, in Smith-Rowe. But yes, there is scope to add some younger, more defensive midfielders to this team. Is Charlie Patino going to make a name for himself? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, let's let's see. Aldo says, when is the birthday? It is in 12 days. 12 days. Uh, so you can all plan your presents for me uh, for the 21st of November. Um, King says, did Trossard show yesterday that he is more than an impact sub? I know his start to the season was not great, um, but on form, he can link up the attack perhaps better than Eddie. I do think he's a better connector um, than Eddie. You know, I talk about, we talked about the connects um analogy you remember connects for those that, that had it as a child and that circular connector thing that's got like six or eight different spokes that you can connect out to build different structures and yeah i think that that trossard is certainly more of a a connects type um than, than eddie Nketiah. but i think that Nketiah is probably a player that gets himself into more dangerous positions at times with his movement and then his finishing is slightly better but trossard don't make up bones about it can strike a ball uh, you think about his goal that was ruled out at Leicester. Think about the goal that he scored in preseason. And you think about the position he got himself in with his run that he made last night against Sevilla. Really, really good centre-forward play. Really promising. We just need to see it on a more consistent basis from Trossard. But yeah, he did have a quiet start to the season. It was a little bit slow. Maybe this will change things for him and for us, hopefully, as well. Um, Answers, Tom, do you think Odegaard, Jesus and Partey will be fit Um uh, if we have beaten Newcastle, oh sorry, if you if they were fit, do you think we would have beaten them? We would have had a far better chance. You know, we're talking about three, in my view, world class players in in Partey, Jesus, and, and Erdegaard. You know, without those, you've lost those key players. It's you know, it's crazy. It's crazy how much that that costs you. So yes, without a doubt, I think that we would have had a far better chance and probably beaten Newcastle if we'd have had those three in the team. Um, Marcus says, will you be demonstrating the sack of goal? at the live show. Now, if you came to our last live show, you know that I made a right fool of myself trying to explain why Martinelli's little back heel during, I think it was the game uh, against Nottingham Forest on the opening day of the season, um, how that was uh, certainly intended, uh, his setup for, for Nketiah in that game. And uh, if there is indeed an opportunity to do that on our next live show, which is uh, on the 22nd of February, there's going to be details about tickets for that live event coming out uh, this month. So make sure you stay peeled to your socials, to the discords. Of course, I'll be releasing information about the live event and uh, where you can buy tickets in the discord first. So if you want to get uh, any uh, early tickets before anyone else, and uh, it's a smaller venue, so there's less tickets, but I wanted it that way um, because I wanted to have a more intimate setting. It's a really nice venue that we've got as well to, to tell you about when it comes to, uh, when, it, when we release more details about the event. But 22nd of February in North London is when our next live event is going to be 
can't wait to see everybody. I can't wait to show you all guests. We're gonna we're gonna create some mystery about the guests as well. We're gonna build up to the event. I'm gonna release the names of a couple, and then closer to the event, we'll release the names of the others that are gonna be joining us as well. Maybe we'll make it a surprise all the way through until the event. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we're gonna tease you with a couple of fantastic guests, of course, that you'd expect for our live event. And uh, yeah, I want to change things up a little bit for this one. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I'm very excited for it. I'm looking forward to, to seeing as many of you uh, that can make it. So set that in your diaries. 22nd of February in North London. Details about tickets will be coming out later this month. Um, Carl says, you're 29, aren't you, Tom? Isn't it your birthday in two weeks' time? That's not how it works, Carl. You're 28 until you're 29. That's how it works. It's mad how I've now like grown to the age of that meme. That was I, I must have been what about 21 when that meme came out? Must have been. And Granddaddy Guna has been uh, has been a member for 36 months now. Crazy, crazy scenes. Uh, that is three years of support on the channel. Paul, thank you, mate. That is very, 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 very kind of you indeed. And Paul's been fantastic in our live shows and our preview shows as well. I'm very committed to helping with that. Uh, sorry that the preview shows haven't been coming for you as thick and fast uh, and as frequently as, as they have been, sadly, which I've been able to, uh, to put them together as, as easily. I've been incredibly busy and I know our members have too, but uh, hopefully we'll be doing more of those. I've got a lot of plans for the channel uh, and some exciting news maybe uh, to come in the coming months as well about some potentially big changes. You'll have to wait and see. Uh, Jameson says, would you... And by the way, the AM show is going nowhere, so don't worry about that. You're always going to have this. Uh, would you try Martinelli uh, at centre-forward? We have a lot of options there, but it might be interesting. No, to be honest, I wouldn't, Jameson. I think he's great on the left. I think he, he's great at bursting forwards. He's great at creating problems for the opposition on the left wing. So, no, I... I, I would not um, change him uh, in any way, shape, or form from that, that left wing side. Please don't spam the chat. I know you're telling people to sub, but uh, don't spam the chat, please. Uh, Kari Boy says, sorry, I don't want to spam, um, but I want to know what you think about my comment above on our attacking balance. You asked very politely, um, so let me uh, find it. Uh, Kari says, I think Havertz should start on the right central role. It looks more comfortable and drives more and looks more adventurous. And Odegaard can be on the left, giving the support to Martinelli, reducing the isolation. I think this is a really interesting point. I, I did actually bring this point up earlier on in today's show. I think that maybe we have scope to see Havertz right, Odegaard left, and then what that might do for Martinelli, having Odegaard play on the left-hand side. Um, sorry, yeah, Odegaard playing on the left with Martinelli as his partner. I'm intrigued to see if that would maybe invert Martinelli a bit more because if you've got a left footer there, is it pay for him to cut inside and then Odegaard kind of play those those passes through? So, yeah, I think that that is certainly something that we could consider and certainly something that I'd be interested in, uh, uh, in doing. James says, yes, Tom, I'll be there, bro. Keep us updated. Good to hear you, James. Good to hopefully see you at the live event as well. I also want to give a shout out before I wrap up to to um uh to what obviously we're hopefully going to achieve in the next couple of months as well we've obviously got a lot of coming up um there's a lot of stuff going on that i can't really talk about at the moment um for very obvious reasons that will become apparent when um uh when we when i can tell you um, about stuff that's going on but uh I also want to give a shout out to, to Dilly and Kale from the Chicago Gooners, who I had a lovely time uh, seeing yesterday. I, I met them in Chicago earlier this year and they've come over for yesterday's game. We shared lunch yesterday before the game and it was great to see them. It's just, again, it always, always um, makes me so incredibly humble that times meeting fans from around the world that uh, that I know that watch the channel, but also that I've met going out there and 
um, that, that obviously come over from places. I've, you know, people come over from from Scandinavia, from Australia, from Asia, from Africa, from North and South America, and and, and say that they watch the show, and it's very, very, um, you know, very appreciated. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, Sabre says, please don't merge the channel. I'm not merging the channel. Don't worry. TGT is is TGT um so no there's no we're not merging with with another channel uh tgt is 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 what it is so no merges uh going on this is this is all me baby <laughs> uh marcus says you have have you written a book on arteta like charles watts no I, i'd love to write a book one day i i need to get far more experience under my belt to do that um charles did a great job with his book and it was great to see him meet uh and, and have and, and have that picture with um with arteta who I can tell you, certainly was aware of it. So, yeah, amazing story from 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 Charles and brilliant, brilliant work with his book as well, which is a fantastic read. Revolution, um, if you've not already gotten your copy, make sure that you get it. Um, so, yeah, um, Rob Bob says, obviously, can't talk about things that are not apparent, but they'll obviously become obvious when I'm able to talk about them, apparently. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to put it, Rob. I think you've summed it up pretty darn well. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and, you know, as I say, there's things that I can't really talk about at the moment. Um, but it is um, times during these types of periods where you are very appreciative for the community and for the backing and the support that you get. Um, you know, I think we've we've grown as a channel so much over the last... Uh, seven years um, and I aim to continue doing that with you all into bigger and better things uh, in the future as well so thank you for all the continued support thank you for everybody that sends me very many kind messages throughout the days and that appreciates the work that we do here as always say so we try and keep things grounded we try and keep things real we talk about serious topics we talk about therapeutic topics we talk about mental health we talk about all of the tough things um and discrimination and derogatory types of things that always need to be highlighted um and hopefully um you you enjoy it otherwise you wouldn't be here i guess so thank you um do drop a like subscribe and i'll be back with you uh tomorrow morning of course at 8 a.m as well have a fantastic day stay safe stay well and most importantly well not most importantly but certainly importantly of the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.